Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there, Tom. Hello there, how's it going? Very good, thank you, Tom. Uh, You know, good to see you back by popular demand, hosting the show. Yes, my biggest and only fan... Not not that kind of only fan, by the way, but demanded, frankly, demanded, tweeted it out and everything. You must have got mad online, but was missing the classic hello there from yourself, Josh. I think that was the main thing. It wasn't that he wanted me to host it. He just wanted you back saying hello there in that elongated yeah. way. I uh, Yeah, I, I, was trying to, I was trying to bring something new, something fresh to the trip reports and, uh, you know. Sometimes you've got to realise the error of your ways and go back to the yeah. tried and tested. Well, exactly. And no better weekend to crack out the hello there as of recording. Kenobi is is out, which is which is good news. That's all fun. And as as Star Wars fans will testify, Josh, long term fans don't really like you trying new things. They just want you to do the same thing over and over again. So. <laughs> Happy to oblige and introduce the podcast, as we always have, rather than these experimental new things that you've been trying. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. We are here today to continue our post-Florida coverage, I guess, of, of my trip there, which feels like so long ago now i mean it already kind of did not long after i'd got back but now it really feels like i'm stretching today we are going to do epcot which as of recording was just over a month ago which is crazy feels mad that yeah i don't really know how to feel about that and i did kind of want to just dive straight into the epcot trip report as that's what this episode is advertised as being but i did have josh a pretty good feel good story that is tangentially re- related to my florida holiday i don't know if you wanted to hear that or save go on, it crack it's... it whip it out go on oh, well it's not a video <laughs> podcast but people may have noted if they follow the park rush podcast on twitter that i had a very distressing experience a week or so ago where i thought i had lost what is frankly already my new favorite hat which i bought at universal studios during my visit there uh, josh you're familiar with this cap and whilst it wasn't good enough for your fine self you you i think appreciated it from afar absolutely it was a sort of classic retro early 90s design uh, in terms of the universal logo on this cap otherwise pretty simple I bought it out there, obviously, didn't actually realise at the time that it was somewhat limited edition. And the reason I discovered this was I had taken it to work and then when I got home realised that it was not on my head and it was not in my bag. And having been told uh, by the people who had taken my desk upon my departure that they could not see it anywhere, I went into a state of panic. I didn't know where this hat could possibly be. So I reached out to Universal thinking, this is a nice hat. I'm a bit gutted that I've lost it. What can be done about this? And they suggested I get in touch with their merchandise kind of service team. 
because it wasn't available to buy on their website. There were some that I recognised from the uh, from the shops that were available online, but not this particular cap. Uh, but I got in touch with them, identified the cap with a picture of my fine self enjoying a, a crepe, <laughs> and <laughs> they were able to track it down, find the product code, and arrange for it to be sent out to me. Even as a as a courtesy, slashed the delivery fee down, which was appreciated because they can be wow. hefty. Yeah, and so that was all brilliant. Had a really good experience, and then of course Sod's Law. The day after I place this order, I find the hat. Uh, guess what? It was within a meter of where I'd been sitting at work, <laughs> and frankly, how nobody found it is well troubling to me considering the people who sit in that part of the office are paid to spot typos and other inconsistencies in <laughs> in news stories so i don't know what that says about their capabilities to spot things but now josh speaks that... to the uh, level of journalism in the modern day tom back in my day this wouldn't have happened well you'd like to think so there'd be no typos and and I'd only have one hat because it would have been found. Yeah. Now I just have two of this, two of these hats, uh, but I'm keeping one of them sort of box fresh, uh, as per your oh, suggestion. So absolutely pristine. Big fan of. Uh, I'm I'm a sad git, as we know about caps, uh, and I do like to keep some box fresh. I have duplicates of so- certain caps, and I keep some of them box fresh. Oh wow! Have you have you worn the Mister DNA cap at all? since it uh arrived into your life uh not yet no i haven't uh the the one time i wore a pairing to go with it uh i i went to work and i didn't uh, i did my hair so i didn't want really want to wear a cap Ooh. that day well that makes sense it's been quite sunny around these parts recently so presumably you have gone out wearing the ogre vision spectacles uh, uh yeah Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know your your yeah. fashion game is on point. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, there you go. What a story! Uh, an emotional roller coaster. Thought I'd lost a hat. Now I've got two. It's just how it goes. Anyway, Epcot. Shall shall we do this? Epcot. Go on. Go on. All then. right. Well, a bit of context for you first, everyone. Sacrilege. I know, but in 20 or so visits to Florida, we had never really done a proper day at Epcot. We'd always just kind of written it off as that weird big golf shop with (laughs) educational attractions. Ew, no thank you. Uh, Yeah, Uh, my mum would be very disappointed in you. This is her favourite Disney park. Well, she can get in line. There is at least one other mum that's disappointed with me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, um, oh. yeah uh from the uh beastly d vlogs that uh were going out on the channel we we have some still that we need to record but uh the my parents anniversary day was at epcot in those vlogs and that is on our youtube channel youtube.parkrush.com you can go see that Oh, I see. Right. So remind me, when was that trip? So when are we talking for that? That was 11 years ago, 2011. 11 years ago. Uh, was that 
Was that the last time you stepped foot into Epcot? Uh, no, I've been there uh, two times since then. Oh, okay. 20, 2015 and 2018. Right. And what was the state of Epcot in 2018? Are there any rides there now that weren't there in 2018 or, or the other way around? Were there any rides that were there then that aren't there now? Off the top of my head, um, obviously, as we're recording this, uh, or well, as this comes out, uh, Cosmic Rewind is open, right? Yes. Um, which was just a box, a big blue box when I last went. <laughs> um, and I think that was it. Um, we never really did the land or the imagination sections. Um, right. I guess the la- land we did soaring, but that was it. Ratatouille would not have been there in 2018. That is correct as well, yeah, Ratatouille. What about Frozen? Frozen was there, we did Frozen. That was the first year Frozen was open. Right, right, okay. So my experience with Epcot, as I say, a bit odd. We stepped foot in Epcot, I think this was 2014, where we hadn't really had much of a Disney holiday and we rocked up at Magic Kingdom to just get an on-the-day ticket that year and inquired about park hopping. And there was an option to, you know, be able to hop into all four parks. And I remember very distinctly the guy selling the tickets basically looked at us like, <laughs> well, good luck. There's no way you're doing all four of these in a day. You're you're crazy. You're and we, we went into the rest of the day determined to prove him wrong. Every time someone was rubbing their feet, thinking, I don't think I could do this anymore. We'd grab hold of them and shake them. That guy, well, that's what the guy wants you to say. We need to prove him wrong. Slap him around the face a bit. Yeah, exactly. Pick him up. I can't carry your bag for you, but I can carry you. And we hit up all four of those parks in that one wow. day. I have picture evidence of me doing exactly the same stupid arms in the air pose in front of every monument which I think at the time would have been the castle, the golf ball, the tree of life. And I think possibly the Sorcerer Mickey hat. I think that might have still been there. or yeah. It might have been the great movie ride building Chinese theatre, which of course is also still there, but slightly different facade now. Uh, 20... Uh, and then the only other, only other time. The... Sorry, go ahead. 2018, I think the hat was gone. I think the hat was gone, yeah in 2018 yeah Yeah. the only other time we'd been to epcot was just the absolute disrespect here and i i I don't feel good about it but we we kind of well i know i think there was we'd planned to go it was maybe a saturday or sunday and i think there was some football on in the morning i want (laughs) to say it was a manchester united versus liverpool game and we we (laughs) big game in your household of well, Arsenal fans. Dad wanted to watch it, and, and so we, we thought, we'd well, we watch the game, we'll have a morning round the pool, the rest of us, and then we'll go to Epcot in the afternoon. And this, this would have been sort of August, really, and, of course, it rains every afternoon in Florida in August. So we got there, and it was yeah. just a pretty miserable afternoon of just constantly running for cover. Didn't really end up getting very much done and kind of walked away with probably an unfairly negative <laughs> view of Epcot. And so yeah. that was always just kind of, yeah, the, the level of disdain that we all had for Epcot seemed very unfair. So we gave it a proper crack this year. And, well, 
spoilers, but everyone had a fantastic time, and I think it was right up there uh, when it came to our favourite days out of this particular trip, which I'm sure you and your mother will be delighted to hear. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So I've pulled up the Twitter thread from the day to help me kind of run through what we did. But, I mean, Josh is a bit more of an Epcot veteran. What's your usual approach to this? Do you have a a go-to tactic for a day at Epcot? Obviously, this all would have been Uh, pre-Genie, but hey-ho. Yeah, pre-Genie. Generally, I guess we would hit up what was... Uh, used to be called uh, like future world, the future yeah. future zones, um, and then once we hit up the rides there, we then uh, proceed further into the park into World Showcase. Um, so we generally, you know, it would either be uh, Mission Space or Soarin' first off. Mm-hmm. Not Mission Space, sorry, Test Track or Soarin' first off, um, and then vice versa with Mission Space. Uh, somewhere in between there, uh, 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 and obviously before all of that, um, uh, Spaceship Earth was very first because it's uh, as you come through the door, it's like you have to do it first, and it is a family tradition, uh, like much like going clockwise clockwise around Magic Kingdom. Right, yeah, that that makes sense, and I'm sure would be a lovely way of doing it, but. Of course, Disney World is mental now, and you've got to be ruthless. Yeah, you do what the genie says. You do what the genie says. So the way we did it, so we did get we did get Genie Plus on this particular day, and our approach essentially to it was, again, and this is a strategy I spoke about on the Animal Kingdom and Magic Kingdom episodes, was to not really commit to using Genie Plus for the uh, the more popular rides our approach was to just sort of suck up the queue for those first thing in the morning when they're likely to be at their kind of shortest and then yeah. by the time you've done those you can kind of use genie plus on on rides that you wouldn't necessarily want to queue for later in the day but because you're genieing them means that you you don't have to quote unquote waste as much time queuing for those kinds of rides so Stuff like Mission Space, stuff like Soarin', stuff which can build up relatively long queues, but nothing as long as, say, Ratatouille and Frozen. So our strategy uh, coming into Epcot on this particular day was to go and do Frozen Ever After as our first ride. Um, That's understandable. And uh, it's interesting, actually, because Epcot is actually kind of deceptively big, because you can't obviously yeah. cut across the water <laughs> to, to cut off some of the world showcase. You have to walk around the whole the whole thing, really, to get where you want to go. And Ratatouille, which, of course, is the, the kind of e-ticket ride there. Well, maybe not anymore, but it, it was when we were there, kind of the, the, the most popular attraction. And it's basically as far away from the main entrance as you can get. But it's almost the closest ride. I think it is the closest ride kind of the back entrance so the world showcase entrance which is where all the resort guests can come in from and i think if you're park hopping if you're coming in via the cable car for example you come in that way as well so you kind of if you do that you waste so much time having to walk all the way over there first thing in the morning if you decide to do ratatouille first that our approach was 
well, let's do Frozen on the way round then. That might, might actually be a better use of time. So that's what we decided to do. And nice. got on to Frozen. I think the queue probably said it was something like 30 minutes. And I think we walked on in about five or ten. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I disclaimer, never done Maelstrom. And I'd obviously never done Frozen either. So this was a completely new experience in every way. And I was pretty impressed, actually. There was more going on than I anticipated. It was a little bit longer. But I liked the atmosphere. I liked the backward section. I liked the drop with a you know an unexpectedly decent splash. The animatronics were really good. I think the only thing that was slightly off-putting to me was, of course, they use uh, the kind of face projection tech that they use in the Snow White ride, for example. And whilst I think it works really well on there, on the mine train, I think in Frozen there's something about the lighting which just doesn't really do the the mapping too many favours and you end up with a situation where Anna and Elsa's face are a very different colour to the rest of their bodies. <laughs> it looks a bit strange. <laughs> but otherwise, I thought it was really good. What, what was your take on Frozen when you did it as someone who I presume had also done Maelstrom in the past? Of course. Yeah. Uh, I, every time, Tom. I was a, I'm, a, I'm a Maelstrom stan as they say. Uh, you, you could, I, it's like something the Hello Fellow Kids meme guy would say. <laughs> yes. You're too old to say Stan. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, even though it's like an M&M reference, which, you know. I, to be I, honest, I don't know what the reference is. I just see people say it online all the time and I'm not fully... I, I know what it means now, but... But it's all, yes. it all it's all these youngins, so, you know. I, and so, I, I, don't, uh, I don't get it. As a bit of a sidebar, uh, my understanding is that it comes from Eminem. Uh, Eminem wrote a song called Stan, <laughs> and it's about uh, a fan of Eminem's who's like a mass, like huge fan, massive, massive fan, and he writes to Eminem every day. Um, and then by the end of it, uh, Eminem hasn't written him back, so he kills himself. Um, okay. but, what you, but what you find out is that Eminem has written him back it's just taken him a while because he's been really busy um, and he's like hammering some letter but it doesn't get to him in time so he's Stan's killed himself before Eminem's letter gets to him there you go hell. alright I mean, when you said you thought it was an Eminem reference I assumed you were talking about the chocolate sweets and <laughs> thought maybe it was a, something from one of those ads but that, I guess that uh, says a lot about not, me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that. That's all about... Um, all those adverts are about weird sexual fetishes, right? The uh, M&M adverts. Yeah, Cheating th- on your husband, fighting in bed, that sort of thing. Let's move, let's move on from all of this. Uh, yes. Uh, the, the one... Maelstrom. The one thing I would say... I do like I do like Frozen uh, very much. Uh, I did very much like Maelstrom, like I say. Uh, the one thing that I think this is missing is the kind of pop out outdoors section. Um, oh, interesting! Does which, did Maelstrom used to go outdoors? Yeah. So in the bit in the turning bit, obviously, so you go in. Uh, it's like a troll now, right? And it turns, and then you go backwards. Yes. Um. 
in the original, you would pop out of the building and then you would go backwards. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I do, like a, I do like That's a do like a, a a boat ride that goes outdoors and indoors. You know, Journey to Atlantis. Yeah. I, I've always That's liked that about Journey to Atlantis. That's good fun. Dudley Do as well. Jurassic Park, of course. I like it, just kind of changes the vibe. Yeah, Splash Mountain. Yes, for sure. Oh, okay. Um, well, and I, and I also I also like water rides that are faux outdoors i guess you could say Ooh. like um parts of the caribbean in uh california ah okay and, not familiar with this of uh, course and the um three caballeros ride in the mexico pavilion in epcot hmm. well maybe one day i will become familiar with parts of the caribbean in california but that's for another day uh, so yeah, I enjoyed Frozen, and then we did run round to Remy's Ratatouille adventure, which I could very smugly talk about in the queue, because it was a long queue, but I could very smugly talk about <laughs> how good it was, because of course, I've done it in uh, Paris in 2018. Oui, oui. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a long queue though, it was a long queue. This was one of the few occasions where the posted wait time, which I think was about an hour, kind of blew past that, the actual wait time. And there was okay. an interesting, yeah, a lot of the queue was being uh, managed outside. And there's this interesting situation where the, I guess what you would think of as being the kind of obvious queuing area outdoors for Ratatouille is clearly actually not long enough. So you also have to queue in a very different part of the France Pavilion and essentially cross the street. <laughs> there has to be, there's like two cast members whose job it is to basically, they're like lollipop men. <laughs> they're kind of standing in the middle of the road and every so often they have to stop people walking and usher across some of the ratatouille queue and then <laughs> and then hold people in place again it's absolutely crazy that that rides can build queues long enough to require this kind of stuff <laughs> like management yeah yeah and i guess it's uh like because of how the park is set up it's a bit of an awkward spot for that sort of queue as well yeah, it does. I can imagine it being quite annoying if you're someone who just wants to be walking around the France Pavilion, soaking it all up, taking pictures, popping into the shops and the bakery and things like that. And then all of a sudden you're kind of being held for all these rapscallions, these uncultured swines who just want to go on the Disney Pixar ride. You know what I mean? And yeah, you're, you're a more kind of fancy tourist who's come here to soak up Paris. Uh, but it, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Ratatouille queue, once you get indoors, there's still all those same kind of fun visual effects uh, that you get in Paris. Like shrink down. Yes, exactly. Uh, and get into the carcass of a dead rat, which I'm sure is, yep. the, is the kind of the, the dark setup to this ride that they don't tell the kids yeah, that, about. That feels like the premise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, did, I did still really enjoy it and it's kind of, I like uh, the kind of sensory overload that that ride provides and the bit where yeah, I haven't seen Ratatouille for a really long time, but you know, the little, the little chef, the little chef who's, who's chasing after you well, during, over the course the of the ride. The restaurant the A303. <laughs> no, little chef does, does little chef still exist? I, I thought no, it had changed. Unfortunately not. No. 
Alas, it doesn't exist. They used to do. They used to be the place we stopped off on our holidays to Devon. They used to do incredible mini donuts with chocolate dip. Anyway, moving on. Now the the little <laughs> chef who's chasing you around on the ride. There's a bit where he uh, like sticks his arm through a hole in the wall to try and grab you. That genuinely made everyone yeah. in my family jump, uh, which was quite oh wow f- yeah. Uh, the 3D effects are really good, and you know the, the smells when you're going through the pantry, and the bit where you go under the kitchen hob and it lights up above you. It's oh, all yeah. really, really well done. The only thing that kind of was a knock against it compared to the Paris version is that you don't come out into a restaurant, which not uh, only is just kind of cool in France that that happens, because, of course, they do it for Pirates of the Caribbean as well over there. But yeah. it also fits with the end of the ride where Remy is kind of beckoning you in to take a seat and have a meal and then... Lo and behold, you can, whereas here, that's not the case. But other than that, it's still a great ride, and I was happy enough to have queued up for it. So, still good, still good. And I I would absolutely do it again, you know, if I ever ended up back at Epcot or back in Paris. And I I guess, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to go to Paris, like US-based or whatever... um, there you go. You have, you have it right there. Mm. Congratulations, lucky you guys. Indeed. Um, you just real quickly. I'm going to throw it, throw it back to Norway. You mentioned the bakery at France, but did you try the school bread at Norway? I didn't. Norway. I didn't know, and I was very aware of the school bread being a thing, and I was also aware that the the bakery in Paris is considered one of the very best kind of eateries in Epcot or maybe in all Florida theme parks but clearly everyone else knew that as well because the queues for both were always just outrageous and something I haven't mentioned yet but was going to get to is that we're of course there during the Flower and Garden Festival so there were loads of bespoke food stalls that were located all the way around not just the World Showcase but also a little bit in Future World so those were the places that we ended up eating. Um, and it just meant that, I mean, the queues for those were never too crazy because there are so many of them that you're just dividing everyone in the park. There are so many places to eat. There's a lot of places to eat yeah. in Epcot anyway, from what I could tell. But during the festival, that's expanded even more. So, yeah, the idea of, of getting in, what again, was a, were, were pretty big queues for the Norway bakery, the France bakery. The other place we'd considered popping into was the ice cream parlor in in france and again that was a very long queue it was a very hot day so it made sense but yeah unfortunately mm. we did not try any of the of those have, have you tried the school bread then i have tried the school bread yes i rather enjoyed the school bread when i had it um it's a it's like a savory uh well i always thought i always felt like it was a savory uh bread roll um, I guess a sl- slightly sweeter than a what we would consider a bread roll, um, but it has it's been dipped in coconut, um, which is very very nice. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I'm not a huge coconut yeah. guy. Um, yeah, I mean, if you like coconut, then I think you'll enjoy this. If you don't like coconut, don't have it. Obviously. <laughs> that was 
Pastor John better watch out with food reviews like this. Right. We're coming for his job. Coming for his job. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, don't start talking about God or he'll really start getting worried. (laughs) Uh, So once we'd got Ratatouille done, it was time to head around to our first Genie Plus booking of the day, which was Soarin'. Uh, of oh, course, as I okay. said, Ratatouille is about as far away from Future World as you can get, so it was yeah. quite a long walk. We didn't get to Soarin' until I, thought I, think, gonna say, I think it was about three days I later. Was say Canada 360. <laughs> no, no, we didn't do that. Uh, we, we did do that later, actually, uh, but not right now. Uh, yeah, the other fair. thing about the Garden and Festival, Food and Garden Festival, rather, not just the food, but of course, all, there were loads of topiaries everywhere which were fantastic. Yeah. They're everywhere. They're, they're, and they're all, you know, the idea is that they match up somewhat to the countries that they're located in. So some of my favourite ones I remember seeing were Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, who I think were in Germany. Uh, there were Lady and the Tramp in France. Uh, there was like Wendy and Peter Pan and uh, Captain Hook and TikTok is the crocodile in that, I think. They were all in Britain. Uh, and they're all just fantastic. Yeah. I think some of my favourite ones actually were in Future World. Uh, the Buzz Lightyear one, I, I remember thinking, was particularly cool. He's kind of stood somewhat out in front of Mission Space, which makes sense. Uh, yeah, just just really lovely, really beautifully done. And, and I think it did add to the enjoyment of the day and also kind of made me think that they kind of enhanced the park so much in my eyes that it would be difficult to imagine going to Epcot not during the Flower and Garden Festival. Uh, yeah, I so I the past couple of times I've been have been during the Flower and Garden Festival, and I yeah I think they're excellent. Um, obviously, there's basically a festival going on all year round at Epcot. It's like the DFS sale over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Because once this is over, it's then the Food and Wine Festival, um, which also has some topiary stuff going on, not as extravagant as the Flower and Garden, obviously. But mm. so there's, there's always something going on. But I think this is a the topiary going on here for this festival is top, top yeah, to top. It's really good. Topiary is more like. Absolutely, Soarin was a good genie plus to get. Turns out, I, I like Soarin, but it was it was nice to just kind of be able to basically walk on it. It's still a fun ride. I think this was the first time we'd done it since it was Soarin around the world. Uh, I didn't have. Can the... you remember Soarin over California? Very vaguely, uh, very vaguely. I mean, as someone who's never been to California and has no emotional attachment to the place whatsoever. I didn't really care either way, you know. Uh, it being yeah. soaring around the world made a little bit more sense to me, given the kind of, you know, the, the, given Epcot itself, uh, to be fair. Although I was very offended yeah. that there was no UK section in soaring over the world. I mean, come on. Why aren't we, <laughs> why aren't we flying around, uh, around London? Yeah, almost yeah. crashing around into Big Ben and... and yeah. Yeah. Outrageous. Um, I I find soaring around the world a lesser attraction to soaring over California. Why why is that? Uh, I think that the video is kind of shoddy. Oh, okay. Uh, Fine. And maybe the video was always shoddy, but there was less 
vertical straight lines in Soaring Over California, whereas there's a lot of vertical straight lines because there's a lot of you know landmarks. So uh, if you're not dead center, like very much in the very middle of the middle, uh, uh, I don't I don't know what you call it, uh, seating arrangement. Let's let's just call it that the, the glider, I guess. Uh, I I feel like the Eiffel Tower looks wonky. Right. Uh, Are you sure that wasn't just the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Maybe your geography's a little (laughs) bit off. Uh, Well, no, the the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was leaning, but also wasn't straight. (laughs) It was, uh, it was also wonky Um, because it's like just kind of bends at the top. It's really bizarre uh, on the Eiffel Tower, as my uh, prime example. It doesn't bend in real life. I just assumed uh, it must have bent in real life, Josh. Disney wouldn't lie to it's, me. It's been a while since I've seen it, so maybe uh, maybe, maybe it's changed. Maybe it does, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas Soaring Over California has, like, flying over the orange groves, which doesn't have vertical straight lines. So it's, you know, more agricultural and it's a bit more um, softer edges. So it flows better over this massive curved screen. Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, but I, I enjoyed it. It was notable as well because they've got uh, they've got a kind of seat belt or kind of seat restraint arrangement uh, that will accommodate like little kids, right? So every, there's no de- designated seats for people who are a bit bigger or people who are a little bit smaller, but you can kind of adjust the restraint uh, differently if you're if you're a little kid. Yeah, and my sister. Uh, turned to us just before we were about to, you know, take flight and was basically like, is it, is anyone else find these restraints really uncomfortable? And we all looked over and realized she had done it up as if she was a six year old child. <laughs> it was basically being held. It looked like a torture device. Uh, so that was quite good fun. I think she was in a great deal of pain for the entire duration of our flight around the world. So wow. uh, that was great. And then we went and did Living with the Land, which uh, was another first. And I really enjoyed uh, yeah. this as well. I'm glad to hear it. I've never done Living with the Land. It's, oh. uh, it's, it's you know, we, we, we make sacrifices to try and hit up everything, all of the big things in a day, get the maximum enjoyment out of a park. And Living with the Land has always fallen. Right, yeah. By the wayside. Well, this is kind of... I guess what you describe as kind of very classic peak Epcot, if you like. You're in this very slow-moving uh, boat, which uh, it's almost like it's almost like boat come tram tour, if you like. Yeah, uh, you know, it gets a lot of people on it. It's a good eater of crowds in that way, and you're basically going through a load of kind of greenhouses, essentially. Uh, whilst a voiceover teaches you and tells you all about how Epcot sustains itself, basically, through things like solar yeah. power and, you know, you see a, you go through a section where they talk about all the different plants and, and vegetables and fruit that they grow on site that then end up, you know, being served up in the restaurants and the cafes. Same, you go through a section where you see just how much shrimp <laughs> they must get through <laughs> on any given day and i enjoyed it i i enjoyed it and i think what was very wholesome to me was overhearing this little kid in the row behind us who was having an absolutely great time uh, and was 
constantly uh, talking about you know how interesting he found it all and I think he said something like when he got off the ride just going that was awesome and it was like yeah, yeah that was awesome not everything has to be a roller coaster that goes at 70 miles an hour and throws you upside down 12 times this was absolutely just, this was just nice this was just kind of pleasant and and it, uh, it made me realize as well i mean lots of theme parks not just theme parks lots of there are lots of places all over the all over the world where you can go and and get a quote-unquote kind of educational experience but they all tend to be set up in a way where you go through them at your own pace and i think a lot of people maybe rush through experiences like that you know i can certainly say that that's been the case for me at times you know not everyone reads a museum exhibit wall to wall people will kind of glance around go huh that's kind of neat and then wander on through to the next room doing an experience like this where you are moving at a where the pace of it is is enforced on you means that you actually do have to soak it all in and take all the information on board and uh, i think that kind of yeah made it a more enjoyable experience for me i think if it had been something that you walk through at your own pace i wouldn't have got as much out of it because i wouldn't necessarily trust myself to to wait for every bit of narration to finish and read everything you know what i mean so yeah absolutely it was good and it was a nice final ride before breakfast as it turned out uh, it's in the same building by the way as soaring for people that don't know so they're both in this very strange building which essentially feels like you've walked into like an 80s shopping mall yeah it's bizarre isn't it because you're walking on uh like the top level right and then yeah yeah I mean, you're looking down it's weird yeah, it was one of the reasons why I was a little bit upset that we weren't flying into Orlando Airport this year was because I also love how that reminds me of a big 80s shopping mall. I say reminds me like I ever went into an 80s shopping mall. <laughs> I didn't because I wasn't alive. But, yeah, you know, Stranger Things has taught me to a degree what 80s shopping malls look like. And I've I've looked them up before just because every so often I'm left kind of curious by listening to other podcasts and things and hearing people talk about what shopping malls used to be like. And I look them up and I'm like, that just looks like Orlando Airport. And as it turns out, also <laughs> just looks like this building in Epcot where they've got some rides yeah. and a restaurant. It's very strange, but I like it. You know, I, I, I hope, I know a lot of purists are a little bit worried about the direction of Epcot. I don't subscribe to that necessarily. I, you know, obviously I don't have the reverence for it, but generally speaking, I'm, pleased to see it move on but even i as someone who don't don't have uh, or doesn't have the reference for epcot i hope that experiences like soaring and living with the land do stick around especially inside weird 80s shopping malls i hope they don't get rid of everything that makes epcot what it is because it's got some charm uh, yeah uh, and we went to uh, for breakfast. We went to, I mean, we went to Starbucks, <laughs> but uh, it was at least in the newly done up Connections Cafe, uh, which, oh, very nice. which was very nice actually. Very spacious. Uh, didn't feel overwhelming in the way that literally all the other Disney World Starbuckses do. Got served pretty quickly. Loads of seating. Not too loud. <laughs> generally a genuinely very pleasant way to enjoy a coffee and a pastry uh whereas yeah some of those other disney parks you it almost feels like a ride in and of itself you know what i mean like it's absolute chaos 
Yeah, uh, I I almost feel like uh, adding Starbucks to some of those cafes have made them worse because people like you know some people are very uh, Starbucks or nothing else in America. Oh and, gosh, yeah. So uh, when when it wasn't Starbucks, it, there was less people there because they were like, "Come on, there, it's not Starbucks." Whereas now it's Starbucks, so everyone is there. And everyone know. I mean, in fairness, at least everyone always knows exactly what they want in Starbucks. I don't think it's often a case of people get to the front of the queue and then spend ten minutes looking up at the chalkboards trying to decide. I think everyone knows what they want, but everyone has a very very specific Starbucks order. And I think that's part of the reason the service can feel a little bit slow in there sometimes because people rock up and are like, no one just wants a coffee. You know what I mean? Everyone always wants yeah. like a shaken up vanilla latte espresso mixer with some whipped cream and chocolate sauce. And do you have oat milk? What other non-dairy options do you have? Yada, yada, yada. It just takes a long yeah, I... time for people to just literally say what their order is because there are so many variables i almost wish there was a uh cafe in the united kingdom that was actually like a little tea shop and it's like you can have tea or you can have black coffee and that's your options <laughs> yeah or you can get out it's run, yeah. run by peggy you want oat milk or who do you think you are son <laughs> we don't do any oat of that woke of nonsense around here love yeah you're lucky we even We only started doing the semi-skim last week because a few of you didn't want the full-fat good stuff, you know. Anyway, yeah. But if you want a Starbucks at Disney World, at one of the parks anyway, there's quite a nice Starbucks in Disney Springs. But for sure, the, the kind of chillest vibe is Connections Cafe in Epcot, I would say. Uh, so yeah, that was good. Um, then we kind of, kind of pod around some of the shops around there, uh, soaked up some of the, more of the topiaries, and th- and this was again, this was the nice thing about having the Genie Plus in a way because we knew that we would be able to get on basically all the other rides without too much fuss, and so we felt like we had plenty of time to actually enjoy the kind of ambience of the park and the sightseeing side of the park, and eventually start eating our way around the park as well and uh, if you do want to see some of these topiaries uh, beyond the ones that we've spoken about then then do go and have a look at the twitter thread from my day at epcot i'll put it in the show notes but some of the other ones you can see include simba and rafiki and bo peep and various others uh, we did end up doing spaceship earth broke down a lot there's a clip on our park rush tiktok of <laughs> Uh, me trying to amuse myself while Spaceship Earth kept breaking down and getting stuck. Uh, yeah. I, li- I like Judy Dench, but I was definitely done with her narration by the time we were off there. So, yeah, uh, yeah I don't did know. You, did you notice former you facing the wrong direction? I did, actually, yes. I did, uh, which you had, of course, mentioned to me on a previous episode of the podcast, the fact that there's a point during the the ride where they're talking about the evolution of the media essentially and there's a little kid selling a newspaper but for some reason he's kind of been pushed to the back and he's facing away from the ride vehicles <laughs> and uh 
as you very eloquently put it once, Josh, I think that's because his face has fallen off. <laughs> yep, yep. So the two things that are impossible to fix at Disney World, the Yeti and the little kid selling newspapers. <laughs> yeah. So they have, to, they have to somehow get around it, you know. They use strobe lighting on for the Yeti and for <laughs> the games of the kid, they push him to the back and turn him around. It's it's so like it's surely it's not that expensive to fix a little kid, is it? I don't like, know. I guess it must be. I mean, can't they just they turn him back round and just use some some of the frozen projection map and just have it be Elsa's face <laughs> on this little eight year old boy? Just, just the copy paste it. Just copy. Just randomise it. it every day. Uh, it's Elsa or one of the seven dwarfs. Yeah, or, or the weird Mickey from the Runaway Railway. Just one. Oh, yeah. They've just got like a database of Disney character projections that can just, can just slap on a blank surface when it when needed. I think uh, you know, do that. It'd be much more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, Spaceship Earth. You know, I was kind of done with that by the time we were finally off that ride because it kept <laughs> stopping. Uh, and then we did... Uh, I, yeah, I think that's... Sorry, I think that's quite often to allow uh, uh, physically impaired people on and off the ride. Oh, is that, what, is that why? It yeah, because obviously it's like an omni-mover system. Right. Yeah. So it's not necessarily actually a technical fault. No. Right, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fair enough. I mean, the communication when you're on board is obviously just, oh, we're having technical difficulties. I think it would, it would probably be a bit unfair if the if the message everyone on the ride got was literally, there's another person on a wheelchair coming on. <laughs> Grab the whole, whole dream place. Hold up. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but then we went and did Journey into Imagination, which I have to say, I mean, I know Figment is something of an Epcot mascot, right? But my God, this was one of the most... This is one of the worst thing park ride experiences I think I've ever had in my life. I was done with this within a minute of getting on, and it kept oh, going wow. and it kept going. But it's basically Eric Idle playing this sort of yeah. scientist, and this annoying little prick of a dragon called Figment, <laughs> who is just, as far as I can tell, just a really rubbish Rizzo the Rat from the Muppets, yeah. just talking you through how the senses work, essentially. Uh, you know your smells and your, your your taste and whatever else. I think they should do a like a special uh, like uh, Muppets takeover and see how it goes down, and then oh, just, definitely if it goes down well. Just replace it. Replace Eric Idle with you know Beaker or somebody, and replace Figment yeah, with Sammy Rizzo. Eagle. Yeah, and and it would be a much better ride. I I have to yeah. say I absolutely hated it. <laughs> <laughs> all this love that is out there for figment you know the popcorn buckets that sell out whenever they come around and all the other God, figment yeah. merch that you can get there's a fair amount of it just no just no just no absolutely um it, it's a ride that i've never done uh because it's never interested me no i, I don't blame you i don't blame you uh, One of the things I guess you have always missed out on, Tom, which and you'll miss out on it forever, is next to the Im- Imagination Pavilion was the uh, former home to uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Right, yes. No, I've never done that. It was interesting because I always used to get it confused with, there used to be like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 
play area at MGM, which I do remember. MGM, yeah. And uh, but there was also a honey the shrunk the kids thing at Epcot. No, I never did that. Yeah, it was a it was a very very good, in my eyes anyway, um, theatre show. Yeah, you know, with the kind of like Hanna Barbera, Terminator kind of oh. thing, you know, moving chairs and uh, interactions, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, we... Yeah. So you're you're there for like a press event to show off the shrinking technology, and then he accidentally shrinks the audience, oh. which is obviously you. So you're like getting carried around and things like that. It's it's very it's good fun. Right. Yeah, no, that does sound fun. Uh, was Rick Moranis involved in that? Was he? He was, yeah. Oh. It was like his last, the last thing he did, I believe. Oh, I love Rick Moranis. One of the last, yeah. Because he um, kind of went cold after that. He he went back to looking after his family. I think he his kids had were had like uh, were poorly, and so he went to focus on looking after his kids and moved moved away from acting mm. because um, because of it. Yeah. But there yeah. used to be, I don't know if they're still there, but there used to be um, like the jumping water pads up there as well. Uh, um, don't recall seeing like those. You, I mean, you, you not, wouldn't really go around there anymore. So No. And we also, by the way, we didn't go and have a look at the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of sh- you know ride building. I think out the front there, the the, the Guardian ship or some sort of ship. Uh, was was yeah. out front you could potentially go around there you know get some photos and stuff i mean we did they they had been doing cast member previews at the time and it was funny we we would occasionally hear people overhear people talking about having been on guardians as we were walking around the various parks funnily enough it was at hollywood studios when we were queuing for mickey and minnie's runaway railway where we worked out that we were literally behind um a group of people one of whom was uh, must have been a cast member who was off shift that day and and was talking about having been on Guardians. But we didn't go around and see it. I mean, Future World, it, it's still enjoyable enough, but, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of scaffolding up, a lot of walls, work walls up, and uh, it, it's not the optimum Future World right now. That is obvious. There's a lot of stuff going yes. on, and people were getting mad online, Josh, the other week about, the plans for future world seemingly having been scaled back compared to some concept art that came out a year or two ago. I mean, yeah, it's just what happens. You know, I, I get why people get frustrated <laughs> yeah. about that, but in my eyes, it's okay, fine. But do, does what they intend to do still look good? And the answer I think is yes. So it's hard to get think... annoyed about something that was never real when the thing that will be real still looks like it will be good and an improvement. Uh, yeah, I think you know the original plans were were so grand in terms of uh, you know what they were promising at the time. Uh, you know, the sort of, there was like a sky garden and all of this stuff going on. To so the, the comparison to what we're going to get now is so much lesser in comparison, uh, and that's the biggest gripe. Um, I, I still think it looks really good, but you know, the sky garden looked friggin' awesome. It did, it did. I mean, it basically looked like some Imagineers had been to Singapore and were like, let's build that. (laughs) Yeah, right. And which feels so Epcot. It does. It really does. Uh, You know, anyone who's been over to the... I can't remember what the actual... There's a... I can't remember what those gardens are called now. The Gardens by the Bay, I think, in Singapore. If anyone's been to those, uh, and has also been to Epcot, 
then it's impossible not to draw comparisons between the two. I certainly did because I'm a weird loser. Uh, the only other ride we did, we did do Mission Space. Uh, my mum and uh, I did the lesser of the two. My mum had never done Mission Space and we were all pretty right, sure yeah. that the more extreme version would not be up her street. So uh, I accompanied her on the, I think it's the green uh, mission. Yes. And dad yeah. insisted the, the fly orange. around the world. Yeah. Which, I mean, is interesting because they still kind of build it up in the queue and in the pre-show and everything as being relatively extreme. And it's easy to get that impression as well when you get into your capsule and the screen comes right up close to your face still and there are still sick bags in there as well. Yeah. Uh, But it's it's a breeze, that thing. I don't know if you've ever done the green one, but it Uh, barely feels like you're moving. It's... uh, it's easy street. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's good though. It's good that they, oh, yeah. I think they've provided that option. Yes. Uh, I still think the orange, uh, is the way to go. I, yes, I would say so. Although what it, for what it's worth, I remember feeling pretty rough <laughs> when I did the orange <laughs> one for the first time. So, you know, I, I put on the front of, I'll come with you, Mum, so you get an experience. But deep down, I was also like, "Thank goodness, <laughs> I, <laughs> I kind of wanted an ex- I kind of needed an excuse Thank to not God. do the orange one." Yeah, uh, I will say uh, on this one, if you are claustrophobic, I would advise not doing it because it is a very c- confined space. My mum has claustrophobia, and, and she doesn't go on it because of that. Oh yeah, that for sure makes sense. Uh, so by early afternoon, we were basically done with Future World and could spend the rest of the day eating our way around the World Showcase as well, knowing that, of so course, you... we had done Ratatouille and Frozen, so we could of just course, kind of... Yeah. So you, you didn't do Test Track? We didn't do Test Track, unfortunately, no. That was the, the one thing that we left on the that was left on the cutting room floor. Just it, the, the Genie Plus timings for that never felt optimum. You know, it felt like if we booked that, we're likely not booking anything else. And the mm. standby wait was always just a little bit longer than anyone was willing to do, especially given that we really wanted to soak up Epcot for what makes it different to the other theme parks. Test Track sounds yeah. like a fun ride, but there are thrill- thrills to be had elsewhere. And I think everyone was very ready and willing and happy to have a slightly different kind of a day yeah uh tom i will say you've been in the car with me uh test track uh you know is is nowhere near the experience of being a passenger in my car (laughs) right well yeah and that's what terrifies me about the prospect of you being on the autobahn frankly (laughs) uh i'll be hypermiling at that point tom so uh yeah trying to eke as many miles out of that fuel tank as possible so uh, you'll be in uh, safe hands all right well we'll see i'll hold you to that yes i'll 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 drop you off somewhere and just do uh 155 and i'll come back pick you up (laughs) yeah actually that sounds good uh right well (laughs) so yeah we we soaked up the world showcase for all that it was worth i think in terms of what's useful information for this podcast i'll just focus on some of the food and garden festival uh plates that we had 
So I, I was, I was, we kind of set ourselves a target of kind of having four or five each, and and this would be in lieu of of any sort of dinner or or whatever. We would just eat our way around Epcot, and that would do us for our food intake for the rest of the day. Uh, which was quite yeah. nice actually it was quite liberating knowing that we don't have to aim to be out of here by x time to go and get dinner or whatever we'll just we'll just eat our way around um and around epcot and and they were nicely sized you know all, none of these plates were particularly big but they were enough to kind of sustain you for another hour hour and a half and then you come across another stall that you want to try something at and you have another one and then you, you do the same again you do the same again and before you know it it's seven eight o'clock you, you've had plenty to eat you're feeling good and you're ready to go home so it was quite a nice way of doing it actually and uh the first one i had i've taken pictures of all these fine dishes which you can find in the twitter thread in the show notes i had uh a shrimp arepa from uh, la isla fresca uh, i'd never had an arepa before and i was pleasantly uh pleasantly surprised by how much i enjoyed it it's got a slightly a slightly potatoey but also somewhat crumpety texture. Uh, oh, okay. Like it's it's fairly dense, um, but it was a nice kind of base for what was a fairly spicy sauce and dressing, uh, a little bit of avocado, and some nice chunky shrimp, which I assume the chefs go and get from the living with the land and <laughs> kill there and then, and then whack on a plate. And serve it up to you for about six dollars or whatever I paid. So, yeah. Uh, all these dishes kind of range between, I think, about four dollars and about seven or eight, which you know felt fair enough. Some were bigger than others, some were more substantial than others, but by and large, everyone was very impressed with what they ate. Uh, we then got. Uh, the next dish I've got record of here were a few from Germany. Uh, I had some potato pancakes with apple sauce. Uh, which, Sounds good. Yeah, I enjoyed those as well. They're ba- they were basically hash browns, Josh, <laughs> with apple sauce <laughs> on them. Uh, but I enjoyed those. Uh, there was also kind of this sort of pretzel bun, if you like. Uh, with ham and cheese, melted cheese. Uh, that also went down well, I believe. And then I have to say, there's another picture here. Of, I'm pretty sure this is what my dad had, and I'm struggling to recall what that was. But it looks like it's some sort of potatoey pastry type thing, perhaps, covered in what looks like little bacon bits and maybe some sour cream. Maybe if someone knows what that is from the picture. Can, what a uh, cracking description. They can let us know. <laughs> yeah, you won't know what it is from the description. <laughs> that was me trying to describe a photo. Uh, but if you look at the photo, then maybe you'll be able to work out what that is if you've had it before. Uh, the very best, though, Josh, uh, by far. There was a, some, some people had some sushi as well. That was not actually Flower and Garden Festival stuff. That was just from a, a stand that seemingly is always there. Uh, but we stopped Same to eat Japan. it in a nice place. We were, yeah, we stopped in Japan, sat in the little garden of bonsai trees, had some sushi. Oh, Felt yeah. very cultured, Josh. Who needs well, to go to Tom, Japan? No, you can say, absolutely. Right, I was about to say that. Who needs to go? Uh, um, if, Disney, if, if you can't go to Japan, <laughs> you'll bring Japan to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we we also did do. I mean, in a, 
kind of in between these various food stops, we did do, was it Shanghai 360? Where you go into yeah. this kind of just big room with screens uh, going around the entire circumference Re- of uh, the room. Re- Reflections yeah. of China? Reflections of China, called? yes. That's what that's called. It's yeah. basically a, a travel tourism advert for China. Yes. Uh, which I'm sure... Yeah, I mean, look, my mind... This is just the way my mind works. It's impossible for me to really disconnect uh, things like that from the realities of kind of the political situation surrounding China and everything that is definitely going on or allegedly going on over there. And uh, it it just felt a bit strange to me to to be in this sort of, you know, very... uh, What felt like a very whitewashed... Travel, yeah, Disney travel ad. Yeah. The most interesting thing is that while you're waiting to go in to watch the show, you can go into this little room where uh, it's also basically an ad for Shanghai Disney. <laughs> it's a bit, <laughs> a bit like One Man's Journey in Hollywood Studios. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's just one room. You can kind of get a sense for what Shanghai Disneyland is like. Yeah. I, I, I really like China. China's one of my favourite lands in Epcot. Um, yeah. There's a lot going on. It's 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 deceptively deep as well. That's true too. Yes. Uh, my sister bought a nice fan. Uh, she was just recovering from kind of a not feeling so great in the days prior to being at Epcot. And it was a very hot day. She bought this little handheld fan uh, in the China Pavilion, which uh, helped her a lot. And uh, and there's a really good topiary of a Chinese dragon out on the waterfront as well in the uh, China mm. Pavilion. And they've got all of the Chinese um, like years in statues as well in a little garden, like the dragon and the rooster and yeah, yeah, and accompanying merchandise as well for each of them. Of course, uh, wouldn't have it any other way. No, absolutely not. Uh, we also did the American Experience. Uh, which you know you could see yes. it's kind of like the companion piece to the Hall of Presidents in Magic Kingdom. Yeah. So, so I've never done Hall of Presidents, but I've done the American Adventure. American uh, Adventure, that's a couple it. of times. Yeah, Mark Twain and uh, who else? And it, it's through got that? the the song uh, that is parodied in Team America, and I can't get the team. Whenever I start hearing it, I only think of the Team America <laughs> version. Yeah, it's very weird. It's just, you know, obviously, inspirational America is great song that plays at the end with a montage of great moments in American history and also great American figures. I think that needs an update, Josh. I don't know. There's a bit where Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg pop up and it's like, ah, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't know about this. They, I don't think they were in it when I went. Oh really? So they've <laughs> someone has sat down and decided that, that <laughs> their credentials for this have increased uh, in I mean, recent I, years. I don't pay a massive. I don't pay a massive attention to that show, so they might have been in it, but I don't remember them being there. Right. Okay. Well, uh, they are now. So there you go. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Bit weird. Bit weird. And we also did, the only other ride we did in the World Showcase was the Three Caballeros, of course, in Mexico. Uh, I believe yes, those uh, animatronics, well, we had done this one before. So, oh, okay. Yeah. 
this, there was a group of kind of young girls. I don't know how old they would have been. I would have to guess like early twenties, late teens, maybe, who were absolutely mm. sloshed. Uh, and uh, they still had the plexiglass up. This was one of the few rides where they still had plexiglass up in the queue. Of course, with stickers across them all saying, please don't touch the plexiglass. And these oh, girls yeah. were just walking through the queues, just banging them and banging them. And I wouldn't, be, I mean, they weren't on the same boat as us, thankfully, but if they had to shut that down because someone had fallen in the water or gotten out of the boat to go and take a picture with Donald Duck, it wouldn't have surprised <laughs> me. So, yeah. Uh, that was an interesting experience. I, I really like Mexico. I like the indoor experience at Mexico. I think that's kind of like, kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I love it. I'd love to sit down and eat in that restaurant at some point, but it did look very busy yeah. and I'm sure high and demand. I, and I, I like how the boat kind of goes around the restaurant in the sort of yeah. faux outdoor area there. Like Ratatouille in Paris or Pirates of the Caribbean absolutely. in Paris. Yes, absolutely. Combine more rides with food. Amen. Yeah. There aren't enough of them. I mean, I guess, technically speaking, the People Mover kind of does it in Tomorrowland. And uh, the Zeus Trolley Train Ride does it (laughs) in uh, Islands of Adventure. A quintessential example of of that idea. Yes, exactly. Uh, Now, Josh, the very best food that we ate the Flower and Garden Festival, plant-based, Josh. Oof. So I said, I mentioned this in the Magic Kingdom episode as a kind of overall take on Disney. Very impressed by the amount of veggie and vegan options everywhere across the Disney parks. Not bad at Universal, not bad, but, but truly quite astonishing at Disney. Like really, you can go pretty much anywhere that sells food, and they'll have something. They'll probably have something for you if you're a vegan, and it's probably something that is bespoke to that particular uh, that particular quick service place or restaurant or wherever you've chosen to eat. And it was much the same uh, in the Flower and Garden Festival. So there were some stands that just that did not have anything for you if you're a veggie or vegan, but there weren't many of those. And of course there were loads of these stands that you only ever you were we were likely only ever within five minutes of one that would accommodate you quite happily. But then there were a couple yeah. that exclusive well, there was one that exclusively did plant based uh dishes. Uh, and then there was another one uh, just across from there that that did sort of tacos uh, that also had a plant based option as well as meats. So uh, I couldn't decide which one I wanted. They were right next to each other pretty much, and I couldn't decide what to go for. I could either go for uh, this plant-based chorizo taco, and I've never had plant-based chorizo before. You know, I've had plant-based sausages and plant-based burgers, but, you know, I I was kind of curious how you would fake chorizo. Uh, So I got that, Mm. and then I also, over the other side, uh, were uh, plant-based Korean ribs. Wow. Uh, which was uh, an impossible meats uh, situation. It was an impossible meats creation. Uh, so I couldn't decide, so I got both. Uh, of course. The Tritz Attacker was really good. Maybe a little bit too spicy. Not like, oh God, this is too spicy in that kind of way, but just 
it kind of neutered any sort of other flavor that you might have got from it it was like i can just taste the heat on this i'm not really getting much else it didn't quite have that really in my mind anyway pleasingly salty taste that chorizo does have yes Uh, but it was nice and i was pleased to have tried it the ribs were really good and you know it was a boneless rib and my uh, my dad, who I'd, I would describe as kind of a plant food sceptic, uh, <laughs> also thought it was really good. And was uh, I, I don't think... I, I think you'd struggle to to kind of identify it as plant-based if you if you ate it, not, you know, if you ate it blind. So mm. uh, I was really impressed. And that was a nice, substantial bowl of food, um, you know, um, as someone who'd been eating their way around the park for a few hours, uh, this was the most substantial plate of food that I got. It had a little bit of a uh, little bit of helping of rice with it as well, and a, a, some sort of coleslaw and a bit of veg, a nice dressing. But I came away from that thinking I would love just a big plate of those, you know, as, and I'd have that as <laughs> yeah. a meal quite happily. If some, someone could do that for me, that'd be great. Uh, so that was that was really nice. It was the nicest thing I ate all day. One of the nicest things I ate all trip, theme park or not. That impossible wow. rib dish uh, in the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival. This one was, I can't remember now the name of the stall exactly, but it's right at the start of the World Showcase. Uh, as you go left towards Mexico. So it's right on the edge of where the World Showcase starts and where Mexico is, which is the first one on your left, I think. And uh, yeah, it's right there. If you're going to go clockwise, yeah, it is the first one. Mexico is the first one you come to. Yeah, so it's not technically in Mexico, but it may as well be. It's right on the edge. All plant-based stuff there. Really, yeah, Mexico, career, basically the same thing. Really good. Very impressed. And uh, yeah, we did not stay for the for the nighttime show on the lake uh but everyone what did you think of the barges in the daytime tom i didn't really notice them to be honest i mean i never really stopped to have a look at them so they really didn't bother me again i think it's the type of thing that if you've been going to epcot for years and years and years and have a reverence for the view across the lagoon and then all of a sudden there are these big barges there then it might be a problem for you but you know us schmoes who didn't know any better were not overly fussed by them really yeah. i don't think anyone really noticed or particularly cared so that was fine and that was epcot josh uh, uh it was another long day uh, didn't quite go the full nine yards but got pretty close and uh one of the very best days of the trip i would say thing park wise had everyone had a very nice time some fun enough rides but really it was how it kind of differentiates itself from the other parks that stood out. Uh, you know, go with a credit card that you're very willing to use, maybe more so than any other park. <laughs> uh, you know, Embrace <laughs> the food options and stuff would be my advice. Uh, we bought some yeah. nice merch there as well, I'll just quickly mention. I bought some very nice uh, posters, kind of wall art. They have an art shop there, which is kind of a smaller version of the, the art of Disney shop in Disney Springs. And they had some really beautifully drawn posters uh, of uh, specifically 90s Disney animated films, which are, you know, my favourite era of 
Disney films, things like Lion King, Mulan, Aladdin, Hercules, etc. I bought a really nice Lion King and Mulan one, which I haven't found a home for yet, but really, really like those. And then my dad bought, again, these are all on the Twitter page. My dad bought a uh, a Garden Festival 2022, uh, like stepping stone, I guess you would say, uh, is the idea for the garden. And because he oh, bought nice. one in a Disney outlet store at the premium outlets a few years ago uh, of Yoda, uh, which is at the end of the garden path here at home and it's held up brilliantly and we only found out a little while ago that that was actually left over in the outlet store from a previous Epcot Flower and Garden Festival so when we walked <laughs> past a stand that was selling a new one we were like well we've got to do it uh, we don't think it will go in the ground we don't think it will have the same durability as Yoda it's, uh, it's maybe one that will end up being hung on a wall somewhere outside uh, but I think it, right, will, yeah. it will look nice. Yeah, but there's some nice stuff at Epcot. Like I say, if you're willing to throw even more money around, it's probably also, as well as being the nicest place to eat at Disney, it's probably the got the nicest range of, of merchandise as well, I would say. Like some nice homeware and clothes and things like that, you know. So Yeah. A good day. Okay. Good. I'm glad to hear it, Tom. I'm glad. Uh, I feel vindicated in my um, enjoyment of Epcot now that you uh, have come to the right side. Uh, you know, very happy that you enjoyed yourself. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. I, I genuinely hope to return one day. I mean, certainly once they're kind of done with Future World and whatever that ends up looking like is is set in stone and, and finished. And obviously Guardians is open now as well. So I, I would hope to return once all that is, is done. Uh, but even mm. in its current state, it's it's a fun place to go. It's a nice place to be. Had a good time. Had a good time. Excellent. I think that's going to do it, Josh. That was an extensive walk around Epcot, unless you had any other points or questions to raise about that particular park. Uh... No, I don't think so. I'll, I will ask you one thing. What is your favourite pavilion at Epcot? Oh. Well, that is a tough question. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's Mexico or China, I, mm. I, I think. I... I you know, the UK was nice and I loved how I could smell fish and chips almost everywhere I could go. That was good. I mean, I yeah, yeah. I like them all really. I mean, the only ones that really didn't make much of an impression on me, I would say, are like Canada, the US. Yeah. Kind of came and went a little bit for me. France yeah. was unfortunate in that it was just a bit too busy. Obviously, the impact of Ratatouille being felt there. And Mexico... You know, it was also quite busy, I think, you know, because it's the first one you come to, it's inevitable. But the food was good in there. You got the three caballeros. I like you, really like the indoor section with uh, where the ride is and the restaurant and there's like a little shopping marketplace as well. That's all good yeah. fun. Nice release, uh, relief, sorry, from the heat too. And then China, again, I think that one is more than any of the others deceptively large. And yeah, uh, while there's not so. there's no like ride or 
or really attraction in there other than uh, the Reflections of China show. It's just a nice, it's the nicest land to just be in, I think. Yeah. There's a really nice garden out front, some nice water features, one of the best views across the lagoon. So, yeah, and, and the restaurant there actually looked nice. Well, I think I think there was a table service restaurant there in the China Pavilion, and it looked good, some of the stuff I could see yeah, people eating. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. It, yeah. it did look good. So, uh, yeah, as an aside, we, we were tempted because our go-to Chinese buffet restaurant, which has been a staple of our Florida holidays for probably the last 10 years or so, uh, had closed down. It did not survive covid so Oof, we were kind of in the market brutal. for a Chinese restaurant. Uh, and that mm. might have had a shot if we hadn't been eating our way around the festival. So, But it did look good. So yeah, those would be my favourites, I think. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, Mexico is definitely my favourite. Um, big shout out to Morocco as well. That's deceptively big. And... Uh, I quite enjoy exploring Morocco as well. Mm, yeah, nice. All right, well, if you out there have any questions about my trip to Epcot, you can get in touch on Twitter at Parkrush Podcast or on the email podcast at parkrush.com. We are in a load of other places these days, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, etc. You can find them all, I think, Josh. Is it links.parkrush.com? Yes, that's right, links.parkrush.com. Nice. That's links, L-I-N-K-S, not links as in the animal or the brand of deodorants. Yep. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show and you haven't already, we are everywhere uh, where you can find podcasts. And uh, if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, then a review or a rating would not go amiss. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week with more here on the Park Rush podcast. Take it easy. Goodbye. See ya.